Hey guys, I'm Greg Potters from albumreview.net and welcome to my podcast. For today's episode, I have something very special planned. I wanted to try something a little different today. Instead of doing an album review, I have a very special guest with me today. My guest's name is Kyle Hegarty. I invited Kyle to join my podcast as he has over 15 years of experience building, managing, and leading sales teams in different parts of the world. How is this relevant to music and album reviews, you ask? Well, just wait. So Kyle grew up in Massachusetts and currently lives in Singapore, where he has built a successful business there for over 15 years. He is also managing director of TSL Marketing's Leadership Nomad Group, He's the author of The Accidental Business Nomad, a survival guide for working across a shrinking planet. You can pick up a copy of Kyle's book at my website, albumreview.net, or you can go directly onto Amazon. Kyle's book is a 2021 Axiom Business Book Award winner for an insider's guide to working globally in uncertain times. He's also the former lead guitar player for the infamous 1990s Massachusetts garage band, Dionysus. And he has been my friend for over 30 years. So on today's episode, Kyle and I will discuss his experience writing the book, what he learned meeting different people from all over the world, and how the art of songwriting and music have helped him become more successful in his career. We'll also dive deep into social media and its influence on present day music and discuss some albums that have shaped our lives or influenced us to be better people, both in in business as well as in our personal lives. I think there's a lot of examples from Kyle's experience that can help us as we continue to develop relationships in our lives. So remember, before I uh, start the interview, you can also check out my podcast wherever podcasts are enjoyed. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Player FM, Deezer, Podomatic, and of course, you can always go to albumreview.net. So sit back, grab your favorite drink, and enjoy. Americans, we dance around <clears throat> topics and yes. words and things that other parts of the world don't. Yes, uh, I'll give you an example. So, uh, like, I, I'm often if I'm selling like a training service or you know, sometimes what I'm doing is like cross cultural stuff, which falls into cultural sensitivity. <laughs> so all of all of the the vulgarity and stuff and and just kind of my my approach and my humor doesn't really play well in the cultural sensitivity space, right, as you can right. imagine. Um, <laughs> But uh, a foreign company would say, look, we would love to hire you, but we can't just because you're a white guy. (laughs) And American companies will not hire me because I'm a white guy as well, but they would never say it because they're not allowed to say it. And so um, I, it, you become, it's actually kind of a nice it's refreshing just to be told like honest the truth (laughs) rather than have to dance around. Oh, we, you know, well, we've got another panel and, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, you you chose someone like I I'm actually they're fine. (laughs) Yeah. We, we white guys, we've had a good run. So I'm, I'm okay. Like let some other people onto the party as well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was, so I jotted down some notes and I was looking at your book. I stumbled upon chapter seven when Confucius Skypes Socrates. Yeah, I have to change one it of to my Zooms. Favorites. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Good, I didn't think about that. The Confucian mindset was comfortable with more than one truth existing at the same time. And to quote yours, this came about when you were talking to Chen and he said to you, you people don't like contradiction, but they exist everywhere. Yeah. 
treat people. And then this one, I remember being on the Cape reading this, um, treat people the way they want to be treated. Yep. And then I, don't, I think I'm paraphrasing this one, but not the way that you want to be treated. So yeah, that's exactly right. <clears throat> tell me about some of the other cultural factors or differences that you learned in the last, you know, 10, yeah. 12 years. I, I, um, I set out to write this thing to basically say, what's the book I wish I had been handed the first time I got off that flight, you know, over here in Asia, right? Like I landed right. in Singapore 15 years ago. What's the book that I thought that would have helped me avoid some of these mistakes. So that was what I sought, set out to try and do. Um, and, and that thing that you, you mentioned a couple of points already, but that one, the, the golden rule is treat people the way you want to be treated, which is kind of a nice rule. But the fact is that people just want to be treated differently in different parts of the world. And therefore you have to treat people the way they want to be treated. If you want to build a relationship, get stuff done. And I'll, I'll give you just an example of that. Yeah. So like in the U S I'm certainly individualistic. I, I remember I wrote an org chart and I just wrote a circle. This was, this was like when I first got here, I'm like, I, you know, I don't care about job titles. Like just make me the intern. I like, I don't care what you call me. It doesn't matter. Well, it certainly does matter in other parts of the world. Uh, it matters everywhere, but it matters more so in some places. So if your business card says the wrong thing, that doesn't get you in the door anymore. Uh, people have more emphasis on job titles in some parts of the world. And how this, like, I'll give you a specific example. There's a publishing company that was, I think they're headquartered out of Boston or New York, and they decided to standardize everything around the world. And they said, look, all of the job titles are all going to be standardized. It'll make our lives easier. This is a perfect example of companies going global and going, we need to make stuff more simple. So they standardized job titles across the planet. Well, that meant for some cases, people's job titles actually went down. But the people coming up with this said, well, job titles don't matter anyway. It's just an imaginary construct. Nobody will really care. If they're upset, throw some money at them just to make them happy so they don't feel like they've been demoted because they have not. Well, money didn't do anything to people here in Singapore, in the Singapore office. They, that was like a more than a slap to the face. That was a, the, a terrible thing to do. And so people just left, like they quit and they went directly to their competitors. They took all of their, their contacts, their, their client base. And they just pissed off and they, they went across the street and they lost all of their best people because uh, of this perception that, oh, well, it, people probably think the same way I do about this. So this will work everywhere. Right. You mentioned something to me on the other day when we were talking about linking music into your conversation yeah. and how it sometimes it was unintentional. Um, can you share a couple stories, like maybe one from, I don't want to give away too much from your book, but maybe one or two examples, whether they're in your book or not, because I'm sure you have plenty where yeah. music kind of came into the conversation and and it changed the, um, you know, the, the, the atmosphere. There's a, there's a ton of examples I, and, and, you know, to try and balance like the work story and the music story here. Um, what I, and I actually learned this back in the U S before I moved I, I, my background, like I, I build sales teams and I train sales people and I found in the U.S. Uh, we started. We were we had an inside sales team, so that it was kind of like a call center. So it was a high turnover. A lot of people quitting very quickly. So we're always hiring and kind of trying to figure out what's the perfect per persona, like what's the perfect uh, uh, resume that that's going to solve all of our problems. And I noticed that when we hired musicians or people who like had music as a big piece of their lives they just were crushing it on the phones from a sales perspective. And I was kind of, I, I, I didn't know if I was going crazy, if I was kind of making up, you know, fake, fake connections. I started talking to people about it and it was like, cause, cause I, we hired this one guy who came to mind. He's a jazz musician. I was like, you know, you don't know anything about this product that you're selling. He's like, no. So, well, how do you, you know, you, you seem very comfortable on the phones. And he just said, he was like, yeah, it's a, it's a performance. 
It's like, oh, that's interesting. Cause, cause life is in, you know, business is kind of a performance in many ways. Right. right. Uh, and, and he just approached every conversation like a performance and that helped him in a couple of ways. One, it separated him personally from the conversation. Cause a lot of salespeople are afraid. Uh, they're afraid of getting rejected. Right. He didn't care. Right. He didn't, he didn't care. So he right. was, you know, he's probably been up on stage and bombed before and right. like, you know, that hurts. Uh, over the phone, I don't know. He had he had thick skin. He was he was cool about that. But he was also able to, I think, understand and hear patterns faster, and he picked up on things. And I think he was able to adjust and duck and weave quickly. It was it's like improv, right? And and you could call that improv from an actor standpoint, from a comedic standpoint. Right. But I think from a music standpoint, it's the same thing. And it was really interesting. And we talked to and we we started hiring more more musicians and uh, another friend of ours, I won't name him, but you know him as well. They, they actually do um, mutual fund research and they started hiring musicians because they're looking for me, you know, music is very mathematical. There's patterns right, and right. they started looking for musicians to be able to take different, to kind of see, uh, see the world through a different lens. So I'm, I'm just this big believer in, um, skill sets that you might not automatically see as a value or a benefit when you're out in the job world. You know, if you're trying to think about a career, uh, I see those as massive benefits that oftentimes get overlooked. It's kind of how you, you frame it and you tell the story. You, you mentioned earlier too, sometimes businesses like constructing a song, breaking things down. How has that been instrumental in you know, you're instrumental because right. You and I both, uh, were maybe in some cases are still songwriters. And so I know we had experience and we, I think we wrote our first song. I like it rich together in my basement. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, fantastic, (laughs) but you know, so I, I thought long and hard the other night about when you were saying that constructing a song is similar to, you know, kind of being successful in, in business. Can you touch upon that a little bit more or sort of what you, what yeah, you there's probably that? a couple different directions to take that conversation. I think that, um, I, I, when I started getting into sales training or, or lecturing or, or teaching, I realized that there was every lecture, every section, every module, there's a main theme and it's up to the presenter, the performer, I suppose, to articulate that theme and to drive it home. Uh, what's the variation on that theme? How do you always bring it back to that theme? Because just like in a song, just like in music, you actually, you don't want to just drone on, right? You don't want to say the right. same thing over and over again. Right. You want to explore with some some variants and some dissidents almost right and then you want to bring it back for resolution because it feels good and i think you can put together not it, it could be a presentation where you uh you go off and you bring it back circle it back in or writing a book that's what i was trying to play with as well and so i was seeing a parallel between between putting a song together and, and thinking about work life in that in that regard uh, I'm playing with this idea and I, maybe you, maybe you've got some ideas, but when you talk about like storytelling, corporate mm-hmm. storytelling is a big thing these days. Yep. And I think that there's reason for it to be very popular, but uh, story is a formula. It's a framework. So right. here, you know, the, the hero's journey, right? right. And then, and then it ends and Luke Skywalker gets his medal and Chewie doesn't. And so um, <laughs> like, there's your hero's journey. I'm playing with this idea. Well, what if we took the 12 bar blues framework and applied that into a story mode? So a one, four, five framework where, you know, one is our main theme, our main point four is going to take you off somewhere else, five kind of a little bit further. And then we bring it back. And I'm, I'm playing with this idea from a, from a storytelling and from a writing standpoint, can you tell a story in a one, four, five blues, 12 bar blues framework? I think you can because blues is really storytelling anyway, right? So th- this is just how I think about um, tying sometimes music into what we do, which oftentimes in a corporate setting is can be boring, right? So, you know, you could be, maybe you sell 
virtualization software. Who cares? But I don't know. Maybe it'd be interesting to like tie that into a, a you know take your take your music background and try and uh, come up with some some new hybrid ideas. You you bring up a good point. A lot of my reviews, I describe music in in a way that I think sometimes only musicians could understand, and I'm conscious of that. And I realize mm. that some of the people that are reading them and listening to the, the, the reviews might not know what I'm talking about, I guess, how would you, and I have some thoughts, but how would you describe what you just described to somebody who's not a musician when you yeah. want to kind of train them or help them understand um, running a class or running a program or running, you know, like yeah. public speaking, you obviously do a lot of public speaking as well. And there's another yeah. piece that I think songwriting um, aligns yeah. to or correlates, correlates yeah. with a lot. Oh God, that's a good question. And, and the, the, um, my one, four, five, my blues story framework, um, what I just walked you through is, has been verbalized more in the last three minutes than I've done ever. Like I, this has just been one of those things <laughs> in my head. It makes sense so. to me. It makes perfect sense so, to me. So yeah. So that, yeah. And, and it was funny because I actually, I did, I explained it to one guy and he looked at me just blankly and then I just walked away. I was like, yeah, okay, never, never mind, never mind. Let's anyway, uh, hero's journey, I guess. <laughs> 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 um, I think I think that it's um, you know the old adage which I learned and I well learned I in the in, in writing the book is show don't tell uh, most business books and I and like my natural instinct if I start writing an article it's I, I kind of think about like the pointing the thing don't you, you should do this don't do this like blah, 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 you know right. and, and, and like most you know, articles on Forbes, there are five ways that you can do better and you right, should want right. it. And that's all telling. Uh, showing is a story, right? So I like, I like tricking people into learning. Um, and what I mean by that is, could you tell a story in a one, four, five framework and then break it apart and do it and then say, okay, here's, here's how this thing comes together. And maybe as a PS, by the way, this is the standard blues formation that's been used for 150 years. Right. Uh, so in other words, you, you go the opposite way or, or you start backwards. So tell the story first, break it apart, maybe then explain the, the principles where it came from. But that's almost like an afterthought. Yeah. That's probably how I would think about approaching it. And again, I haven't taken this thing anywhere, but it's kind of an interesting way to think about it. It is. Yeah. Like yeah. in a, in a, the thing that I hated about overseas work, like, or, or you know, working globally, the, the conversation that I kept doing myself and I hated my, I, I not hate it, but I was so frustrated. I would hear myself saying, you guys back in the US, you guys just don't get it. It's not like that over here. It's I got that impression here. from reading your book. It was almost I like hated, every chapter. Well, I hated that feeling because nobody, if you're on the receiving end of that, people don't like being taught. Uh, I think there's an old Winston Churchill quote. He says, I, he goes, I love learning, but I hate being, I hate being taught. That's a great, that's a great Something, sentence. Um, but, but so, and the idea there is, you know, instead of wagging your finger, right. Rote memorization, here's how you learn this, this, and this. It's like, I'm going to, you know, let's, let's just tell it in a series of stories and what are the aha moments and what have we learned from that? Uh, and I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Years ago, uh, when we got here, we were before kids, my wife and I were traveling around uh, rural Indonesia mm -hmm. and um, there was a, <laughs> this is like, this is such a travel story. Uh, a, underground it wasn't a volcano but there was a underground mud eruption and it's really sad it like erupted and it like covered a village of like like lava mud or something just it, it just it's the classic stories where you go what's like like you know you're trying to hear the translator of the driver what like is lava monsters like what are you talking about um we couldn't go they had to they had to have a detour so the the, the mud covered over a highway so they created a detour so we're going into these weird uh, back alley places and it's just getting darker. It's getting a little bit weird. And all of a sudden there's a mosque. This would have been 2005, 2006, I'm traveling. There's a mosque with a makeshift, like a, a tree in the middle of the road with 
bunch of dudes on both sides of the road standing with weapons. Like everybody's holding a gun. Some have rifles. I don't know what the hell, you know, there's a lot of like these weapons. They Most of them have their faces completely covered and the mosque is playing its call to, to prayer. They weren't as playing American, Metallica or something like that. They weren't playing Metallica. America? No, they were playing Metallica. They were, they were <laughs> playing Dave Matthews. Uh, and so we're, we're in the car and it's just like, we're surrounded by masked gunmen and there's this um, Islamic sort of, you know, call of, to prayer going on. Now I'm an American, right? I like, holy shit, what have we got ourselves <laughs> into? Uh, what it was is that when these, when these detours happened, um, these communities actually come up with what are, I'm not going to say sanctioned, but they're, they're, yeah, I guess they're sanctioned, not, not formally, um, toll booths, because a lot of cars are going through these, these neighborhoods, and these guys are collecting money for the, for the, for the mosque. Um, they are covered because it's hot and dusty. Right. They are weaponized because apparently people just have a bunch of weapons. But like my yeah. interpretation of what was going on was totally different than their intent. They wanted 50 cents or something like that. So it's like, okay, here's 50 cents. Can you please like, oh my God, here's $500. Just, just let me go. Just let us um, go through. There, there was nothing, there was absolutely nothing to worry about. Like that's just how it goes. And there was a part of me that I remember being actually much more calm than I would have expected because I had read a story about something somewhat similar. I think it was like a, a Louis Thoreau book. And he was talking about sometimes these guys put, you know, and I don't even know if it was an, uh, maybe it's an Indonesia story, but the fact that I had read it before kind of was an, somebody, I, I lived through somebody else's experience that helped me stay calm through what, would otherwise would have been a very difficult situation. Yeah. And so yeah. I tell you that weird winding story because if you can actually absorb failure stories from other people, hopefully that helps, you know, that puts a little ideas in everybody's heads that just sit around and germinate. So when that moment comes up, you go, you know what? I've heard this before. <laughs> I yeah. know these guys, wait right. a minute, I'm falling into this trap that's happened right. before. Right. Yeah. It seemed like as the book went on, you obviously became clearly more knowledgeable and hero's um, journey, dude. Hero's journey. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I, as I was getting through each chapter, I like felt like I had the tools and I was more prepared. So, um, and, yeah, and, and, and it was almost comical yeah. at certain points because I was yeah. like, like, what are you doing? Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that was, that was deliberate. I, um, I deliberately set up, and I don't, I don't remember where I read about this because this was not my idea, but uh, I, I, you read about you know, what effective storytelling is. And, and part of it is when you take somebody along on a journey and then they figure something out before the author, before the book figures it out. Right, right. Uh, because that makes you as the reader feel good. And I tried to do that at the end where it's like, I set up, I think, one final scenario. And, it, and by that point, if you've read the book, you should know the answer before we kind of get to it. And that was very deliberate because it's supposed to be like, okay, now, you know, now you've get it. Right. So right, there's right. that kind of like trick people into learning along the way. That was the intent. I wanted to touch upon what you were saying earlier about the 12 bar blues and how you kind of describe that or explain that to somebody who's not a musician. I've tried in the past. What the approach that I I've yeah. taken is to ask somebody, you know, ask them questions. So I'll ask them, you know, give me a song that you really, really like. And, you know, most of the time they're able to come up with one fairly quickly. And I think everybody's, you know, aware of, you know, the, the chorus or the hook or, you know, get them to really think about that song, break it down if they can in their head. Oh, you know, I'll, I'll um, explain to them, like, there are pieces that you may not be aware of, but they, they do repeat. But eventually when you hear, when you wonder like, oh, how can you guys just jam? I, I, I don't understand. Right, it's like, right. well, there, there's a bass and you, and I don't mean a bass guitar per se, but you know, you, you start somewhere and then you can go over here, but as yeah. long as you're back to this, you know, as long as yep. you're at first base, as long as you yep. get back to first base before the pitcher throws the ball over, then you, want you can do whatever you want <laughs> yeah. in between. Yeah. And, and, and a, a good 
band will leave enough space to where everyone can kind of improvise. And a lot of times groups are improvising when they don't even know it. So, so that's, you know, as a, in my day job, um, as a employment recruiter, a lot of times I will jam a little bit with, with people that I talk to. And I have a theme, just like you were saying to back that statement up. And I talk a lot about what we do for people's careers and, and what we can do for theirs. But a lot of time it's based on what they're telling me they're looking for. I'm not going to tell them a a story that's sort of irrelevant to their experience, but, but it's a, a, a lot of it is, you know, improvising, but always kind of coming back to the main point that they say at the beginning, like, you know, you know, Greg, I really want a company where I'm going to be able to move into a managerial position in a certain period of time. And so, you know, so, so I think those pieces are important and, but yeah, I use, I use music as as an example a lot. And I happen to agree with you, Kyle, that music can definitely, it, it is mathematical and it can definitely, enable people to kind of think a little bit outside the box in a free kind of way. Now the 12 bar blues piece, um, the first time I learned that I think was it jazz ensemble freshman year. And I, I, when it hit me, I was blown away. I was like, Oh man, I can basically do whatever I want as long as I get back to this chord at this, at this time. So part of the, 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 the reason that I wanted to have this conversation today was just to sort of incorporate, you know, business and music. And so let me give you one other, I think that just popped up to me. And I always think about this in a business setting, which is, you know, if you make a mistake um, or if you, you know, you do something wrong and say, let's go talk about blues for a second. You know, you hit a wrong note. What's the rule? What's the rule if you hit a wrong note in blues? You hit it again. Yeah, you hit (laughs) it again, right? You double down. And so uh, uh, like there's there's a lesson there, I think, which is like, you know, when you make a mistake, you just got to kind of own it and like- Own it and keep going. You don't stop. Own it and keep going. Yeah, Yeah. because because as long as you keep to the framework, you can, it'll bring you back home, you know? Uh, and so it just depends on what the, what kind of ride you're looking for along the way. Uh, yeah. And so I've, I always love that. Um, I always love that thing in blues. You know, you hit that wrong note and God, man, how, how many times have we all hit the wrong note in, yeah. in, in life, right? Like, yeah, just double it down. I'm going to bend it next time. Double it down. <laughs> and, and yeah, I, I tell that to my, my son is learning the saxophone. I, I should nice. say he's learned the saxophone, yeah, but cool. he, he, he pauses, um, sometimes when he hits the wrong note and I tell right. him, just keep going, just go through yeah, it, yeah, own yeah. that, own that. Yeah. And I think that's the same thing in, in business. And I found, I always wondered when I was in my twenties, when I would talk to people in their forties and fifties, I was like, I would get off the phone and go, God, that person was so direct. And I realized that a lot of times as a 20 something year old, I wanted people, I wanted to hear what I wanted to hear from people. So if people didn't kind of give me the story that I wanted, then I was like, "Ah, I don't know if this person's the right fit for the job. Mm. Um, Basically to break it down, I was, I wanted them to, in a kind of a nonchalant way, kiss my butt a little bit. And and, and I'm not saying that in a, um, uh, an egotistical kind of way, but I thought, you know, you're on an interview, I'm the interviewer. And I was always amazed at, at some of the folks that were, you know, forties and fifties or, you know, that, that were comfortable in their skin. Um, and cause I don't know about you, but 20 somethings, like we're, we're all still trying to figure life out and everything. And, And now I've found that just being transparent and owning yeah. your mistakes um, is, you know, it's just, it's gotten me so much farther than when I was in, you know, when I was back in my twenties and just sort of, I, I felt like a ping pong ball. I was just being yeah. bounced around. And and so um, I wanted to talk to you about music in your culture, because it seems like from a lot of the conversations that we've had that you're still attached to a lot of the American music that we grew up with, but oh, yeah. since you've been say, what's living, my culture, you mean, you mean, <laughs> well, <laughs> since you've been living in Singapore, have you discovered any local music that's turned you on? Um, to be brief, to be direct. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, I, I did. I, I got interested in looking at music uh, across cultures and 
how they even put together notes, you know, the, mm. the standard seven and 12 kind of note structures. And, mm. and um, in China, it is different. Obviously there's like, there's literal rules that have to be obeyed in, in music theory, but um, the Chinese, right. for example, historically approach it differently. So you end up with these very different uh, structures, which is kind of interesting. Uh, interesting is the, polite word though like I, I just can't get into some of this stuff sure one thing that i did come across uh, i covid struck i had a trip planned to uh ulaanbaatar and out into the steppe of mongolia last summer i was supposed to be wow. in mongolia and um i came across a heavy metal mongolian band and i will send them to you i think it's called who hu i think i think um or maybe that's their album but it's everything you'd expect. It's that growly industrial stuff. But then there's like, like the, the lyrics read like Game of Thrones introductions, just, you know, tearing <laughs> people's throats apart and just wearing the crown of blood of your enemies. And, oh, it's awesome. And, uh, and they use some kind of old school uh, uh, music, musician, uh, sorry, instruments to, to get into it. Again, it's not something I pop in a, uh, you know, I have a gentle cocktail at the end of the night, but it's kind of fun to like come across that. Um, there are a couple, one other, a couple other interesting things that I found across Southeast Asia. I've been to ba bars with cover bands that are amazing, and I, and this is an interesting question. I've, I was asking somebody else: Where's the line between a cover band who is just mimicking stuff and actually like really good music? And it, right. and it. And I don't know what the answer is to that. Uh, I'm, I'm t I found this guy in Manila years ago. I think they're still around. And I'll look, I got, I'll send you their name because you got to hear these guys, this kid, yeah. just, this little kid. And he pops up at this bar. It's a three-man band. And they're just kind of, you know, tin, 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 and they're like, okay. And I'm listening to Steve Ray Vaughan. I mean, this guy is just crushing it he just created with these three musicians this wall of sounds that was just powerful it was amazing um and uh albert king and stevie ray vaughn were was reborn into this little filipino guy wow. so every once in a while you discover this stuff but he's kind of like but that but that was my question which is is this guy just mimicking like is he a cover band or is he really on his own doing his own thing and i and i i don't know how to answer that Hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. So talking more about, um, about music, I think we grew up with a lot of the same tastes. And I think that's part of, I think we first met, I think we first met at Brayburn, if I remember correctly, but then we landed at the same high school. Yeah. Um, and, and we, we bonded over a lot of the same music and you said it well earlier that like that 1991 there were so many so many albums that came out that even today are still considered classic i'm curious yeah. because we haven't caught up in, in a long time about this yeah what what are your some of your favorite albums of all time um so yeah my like my my music focus at least listening or searching for new stuff fell off a cliff years ago so yeah. like i i've been I, so to kiss to kiss your butt for a second like your stuff's great because it, it, I, i'm just like oh, i'm just gonna look at your old postings and find out some stuff so yesterday i got to check out a couple of different things um just from you so you are where i'm now looking for for answers so just no more no pressure but that's just <laughs> that's where i'm at awesome. um awesome records I, of all time i won't let you down um, I, I was, I joked about the Bill Burr story about, uh, Jane's addiction. I think Jane's addiction still holds up in a really powerful way. So I think that they're, those agree. early albums are fantastic. Um, my all time favorite album is definitely Appetite for Destruction. That yep. thing just, that thing is as strong and it just doesn't seem to have aged at all I would in agree. terms of just the sound. Um, it's a great point. Yeah, I, I am. I'm a, I'm a child of that era. So like, I'm, you know, I, I'm a got onto Spotify and yeah, that's, that's ends up where I, where I'm at. Although it's, I do find Spotify fascinating because they give you that end of the year review, right? Yes. It's like, okay, here's, yes. here it is. Here's what you've been doing yes. uh, for the last three years. My number one uh, band has been dead. Interesting. That was going to be yeah. my, that was going to kind of in a moment, I'll lead over to that quest, but that yeah. was going to be my next question is kind of what you've been listening to lately. That's the thing that just pops in and that kind of ends up kind of being the, being the backstory. So, so, so 
I got that same report and I was blown away because if you had quizzed me, I wouldn't have said this, but I listened more times. So I joined, um, I joined Spotify just, I was late to the party. Yeah. I'm late to the party with a lot of these types of things. As many <laughs> people who might, a lot of people who might listen to me know that I still own a record player. I'm looking right now at my cassette deck and my, um, CD player, my CD player actually broke and I just ordered a new one. Um, and it also has a Bluetooth so I can, um, yeah. use my phone, but yep. I, I, I joined Spotify. I guess I, I joined it begrudgingly. And yeah, if that's even that. a term and, yeah. and the report that came back was Joe Walsh. Oh, wow. Okay. And, um, <laughs> so, I mean, it made, it made sense after I, I read it, but I thought to myself, huh, I, and my, um, friends that live around me will, if, when they hear this, they'll laugh their heads off. But I think the greatest documentary of a musical band I've ever seen, and I won't go too far off the deep end on this one, that'll be for another podcast, but is the Eagles hmm. documentary that HBO put out in 2000, I believe it was 12 or, or 13. They dive so deep and they almost do pretty much a year by year analysis. And they have these interviews with the band that are so crisp and clear. Not only is the quality good, but the interviews are incredible. And you really feel like you're watching a, uh, you're watching the crown or you're watching breaking bad, or you're watching. Cause like each right. episode, right. there's like a cliffhanger and then yeah. they go on to the next one. It was nice. just done. Amazing. So for anybody out there that hasn't seen it, um, it's a little long and there's actually two parts to it, but the second part is kind of like somewhat present day. Now, Glenn Fry, unfortunately has been passed. He's passed away. He's been gone for about five or so years. But uh, after I saw that, I dug into Joe Walsh more and I'd never really been a huge fan, right. but I was so impressed by his guitar playing. And, huh. um, and so, yeah, that's a musician that, um, you know, I have to say, I didn't really think too much about or really listen to and tools like this have yeah. enabled me to really discover more music. And I've known about Joe Walsh pretty right. much my entire life, listening on the radio yes. in the, in, you know, in a carpool on the way to school. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but, but it, it, so that, that's the good thing about Spotify, which was immediate, you know, I can listen to one of your podcasts and then I go just immediately. It's just done. I can find it. Go right the to downside. It. Right. And I was talking to a friend of mine here, who's pretty big into music and different uh, genres, but he goes, no, 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 no. He goes, he pays for the YouTube thing and the re and i go okay well why okay. is that better he goes because spotify is pretty much limited to straight down the road albums whereas youtube is like bootleg stuff right like that's where you'll get good the point. off the cut stuff you'll get the other things that you would not not legally probably legally be allowed to get on spotify right. so right so his thing is yeah if he wants to so it kind of depends on what you're what you're looking for i kind of always think about you know back in the tape recording day or the you know the tape days of those old stores where you can find the the row of row of bootlegs or you'd order like a a crappy bootleg from, yeah. from 1987 awful, awful bootleg right. but you would pay premium for it because it yeah. was a bootleg yeah yeah one of the things that i got into over the years uh and i was thinking about writing a joke uh article about it musician biographies that's right where just right. people just like their careers or their lives just turn into a complete disaster right uh, right some of them are actually really good like i don't know if you've read any of these books but like the top ones for me would be um scar tissue anthony kiedis I have not read that one Fantastic yet. book. I mean, just the way like that, if I assume that he actually wrote it, but like, even if he didn't, um, which I think he did just, that's a smart dude. And, and the detail, the memories that he wrote, the things that he remembers, how he does that. I have, I can't, I can't remember what I did last night, but um, right, he, he just, but, but I love the, again, you talk about like patterns and formulas and there is a formula of, of people just hitting rock bottom. And that's the thing about rock musicians, man, the, yeah. those guys don't screw around when they, when they go for a bender, that's a, that's a true bender. <laughs> yeah, you want to, yeah. you want some stories. Uh, Clapton's book it was fantastic as well. I think I have it right here. Yeah. It's just called Eric Clapton. I don't think it's titled. Um, oh, cool. The stones, the Rolling Stones, um, Keith Richards autobiography is fantastic. 
even uh, Dave Mustaine's is pretty interesting from uh, from Megadeth. I kind of, you know, I started getting into these these autobiographies, and then I things just got out of control, and I just couldn't put, I couldn't stop, and I, I just it just ruined my life reading these autobiographies. <laughs> so so now I've come back and I've I've recovered, and I can I can I can have an autobiography every once in a while. It's not a big deal. I can I can do one casually, but was, I got I got things under control again, Greg. <laughs> yeah, they do take a lot out of you, and and they are you know, in some many ways, they are kind of sad stories, but um, well, there's happy. some really cool, I think there's some really cool insights, especially if you are a fan of, of music, just to understand some of the origin for some of where some of the inspiration comes from. Right. Um, and, and yeah, and the dumbass mistakes that get made along the way. <laughs> I, I wanted to talk about, um, you know, social media's influence on music. But before I do that, I also mm -hmm. wanted to ask you, what what have you been listening? So Grateful Dead, you said, what else, what have you been, what else have you been listening to lately? Anything, you know, uh, old or that's yeah. brought you back or, or new that you're like, I have to share this. Here's, yeah. Well, so the answer is something that's both that, uh, and this is, again, this is your recommendation. It was uh, Greta Van, Greta Van, what was Fleet. it? Fleet. Greta Fleet. Van I was going to say Greta Van yeah. Susteren. That's like, <laughs> I think that's like a CNN. <laughs> no. That's like, <laughs> That's my problem, right? I'm like, I'm like looking up. I'm like, I want to listen to Greta Van Susteren. I'm like, ah, it's like it's a, I think she's terrible. That, I think she's that girl that um, got up in front of an environmental board oh, she's and the, said, she... "How dare you? How dare you?" <laughs> okay, so real quick, it was actually Greta Thunberg that Kyla was referring to, not Greta Van Susteren. Greta Van Susteren is an American commentator, lawyer, and former television news anchor for CNN, Fox News, and MSNBC. Uh, Greta Thunberg is a Swedish environmental activist who's known around the world for challenging world leaders to take immediate action against climate change. So just wanted to clear that one. Okay, now back to the interview. <laughs> oh, I'm so old and boring. <laughs> So, so I'm, I'm, I'm listening to Greta Van Fleet by your recommendation. I'm loving it. And it's just like, it's, and so Spotify is going nuts because Spotify has got this AI and it's like predicting, it's like recommending other it's, stuff. And it's incredible. So, so Spotify is going like, oh, maybe, maybe you should listen to some Led Zeppelin. And I'm like, no, no, I want to listen to more uh, Greta Van, Van Fleet. <laughs> and it's, so Spotify is going nuts. So, so I was like, no, no, seriously, like, seriously, you should really check out some Led Zeppelin. Like, please, like, would you please listen to this? So you can, you can see the Spotify going nuts just because uh, uh so I, i'm enjoying, <laughs> I'm enjoying their, AI that. Is, their, I, their ai is incredible it is what incredible. i do yeah and I, and I do like how it does spin you into stuff that you hadn't heard about which is kind of uh which in many cases becomes very cool so like uh, you know i've got to i got to make sure i'm like near a phone or whatever it's playing to to like the stuff and start doing it but uh that one would be would be one um what else recently trying to get back into fish. I think like under stress, under pressure, a lot of people have been, and, and you know, we're all in this COVID right. situation. Right. What I've realized, I think I've been more self-aware of how calming and just relaxed, not relaxing, but how therapeutic music is. Oh, uh, it's gosh. very easy for me in a work from home scenario to go through multiple days without listening to any music because all of a sudden now I'm not commuting. Uh, you know, I'm in a small, small apartment. So it's not like I, I'm not, you know, rocking out with my stereo and I have to actually adjust that behavior to get back to some of this stuff. Yeah. And when I do, then it's just like, Oh, that's actually like, it, so it was, it, it was an interesting reminder of like, to make sure that, you know, the stuff that does give you, passion and, and relaxation and catharsis like that you you got to stick with it uh it was just it was just a weird thing for me just because i i was usually listening to this stuff as i'm you know commuting around and then the commute's gone so mm, right gotta, had to had to adjust that that's a great point like now that we're not in our cars or now we're yeah. not on a train um before yeah. i moved out to the suburbs i lived in the city and i would take the train every day or the t as we call it in boston and yeah i was turned on to so much music and before the days of ipods i was you know i had my disc man yeah. next to me and i was throwing yeah. in cds and um but then so then you know music is so different today and i you know as much as i do preach about you know the old school way 
I do value some of the new school ways. We've obviously talked about, you know, some of them already Spotify and, and um, but I'm interested in your take on, cause I've done a little bit of research on this on how musicians make money today. And some of the, the research that I found was, was interesting. Mm. They may not necessarily be able to make as much money, but they're able to get their music out clearly to more people because of right. these engines. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, musicians might not necessarily be selling albums like they used to, but streaming yeah. platforms have really taken this, uh, this whole thing and, and run with it. So yeah. I was doing some, research and I was reading business news daily and a site called music watch more than 50%. This is quoting music watch more than 50% of listeners, music listeners use Twitter to follow or get updates from musicians and bands. Wow. Um, and some of the statistics show that a lot of our interaction that we have with music today, which it affects the music business but it also drives more people into it. So there's a right, there's right. an increase in creativity and getting yeah. your name out there. But what I worry about sometimes is when we were kids, there was a there was a radio and there was MTV, and that's where we went. And I can see very much the value today of having that freestyle. You know, I can go out and choose what I want, but there's yes. something that I miss about the. Uh, this is going to sound awful, but kind of that decision being made for me. And now I would hear groups that didn't, you know, in the eighties and nineties and that didn't really appeal to me. Um, and I would just continue listening. I would try to not to that, but I would continue kind of searching um, yeah. and going into the record store was a, a kind of a way, but I feel like today I need to improve on sort of not getting overwhelmed when I go out to look for more mu new yeah. music. So what I do is I ask people rather than just kind of scour the internet all day, because I'll get lost and I don't know where yeah. to go. Um, and yeah, so it's a really good point. That's why I started this whole website because it was like, I'm not saying that my tastes are the best and you need to listen to mine. And yeah. I just, I want to invoke passion and people, and I want to turn people on to new things, but I also from the passion standpoint, I, I'm eager for people to say, Greg, you're wrong. This album sucks. And yeah. here's why. And if you want a really good album, you should listen to this. Yeah. That's um, a fun conversation, right? Like that's a good night out where you just kind of are throwing records back and forth at each other, but yeah. now trying to do it digitally. So, so the advantages is that um, I guess the disadvantage is there's so much out there that, the the industry from a from a musical I guess option standpoint has just been fragmented into a millions of little pieces, uh, and that becomes very difficult to control and, and get you know find your way. Uh, the upside though is that if you have the discipline to use social media the right way to you know find podcasts like what you're doing. Uh, I think that it's an easy way to discover a ton of new stuff quickly. So it, I think it probably actually what it means is that you've got to, we, we old farts have to like change behavior to be able to still find stuff. Cause it's so easy for me to just be all grumpy and be like, Oh, music today sucks. There's nobody, there's nothing right. going on. Right. I, there's tons going on. I just, I there's just don't tons. know where to go. There's tons um, out there for sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm me and me and Greta Van Susteren are like, how <laughs> dare you? <laughs> Yeah, how dare um, you music that, industry there was hum which was a band that um was originally big in the in the early early to mid 90s and then they went on a if you get a chance check that one out as well they they released an album in uh 93 or 94 and then they went they just disappeared and they went on a hiatus and they reappeared in um 2020 and released an album that was exceptional called huh. inlet Yep. And um, what drew me to this album, uh, first of all, it was a recommendation. What, but what drew me to the album was not only did the band not share with anybody except for close friends and family that they were even getting back together, but that yeah. they were releasing an album. And so right. this album just 
drops oh, one yeah. day and um a couple people told me to check it out and i went and i was i was blown away and so i thought to myself this is a perfect example of something that i have to share with yeah. people because nobody knows about this this thing happened to me years ago in fact i can i know exactly what it was um it was when michael jackson died what was that like 2011 or something like that. yeah something yeah. Like, i remember so i was here in singapore and mm. there was someone on the news or you know they were like you know he sold more albums than anyone else and and probably will hold that record forever. And the statement was absolutely true because, you know, when we were growing up, there was, you've got your stations, but everybody on the planet knew Michael Jackson. They knew Madonna. And I remember this, my, some of my first overseas trips, you know, in the, in the early nineties and the late eighties, and you'd go to other places and they're selling Bon Jovi t-shirts everywhere. Everybody knew the big bands. Uh, And then you could argue, you know, the Beatles and the Stones, like everybody knew those guys. You don't have that now, which is more, which is actually really interesting because, and um, when I used to travel around, I, I jokingly say that I'm tall and cheap. And so when I travel to different places, that means that I take public transportation very frequently. And because I'm tall, I get to look over people's shoulders and see what they're doing on their phones. Right. right. And one of the things I've noticed having been to, I don't know, I was, I, I think before everything kit, I was in like 20 countries a year on average, but um, uh, was wow. that people consume local content. And I know that that might sound like a no brainer, but it's actually a really important factor, which is that, you know, if you're in Malaysia, people are watching Malaysia stuff. They're not watching, right. they're not listening to Madonna. Like everybody, like if, if, if we were to go back 40 years ago, probably everybody was, you know, listening to Madonna because that right. was kind of the, what was happening. Right. Um, I think there's point. been a, I think music has gone local and that's really generally that's good probably so it's good for some good musicians for the artists. yeah possibly but you're never you're not going to get you're not going to get the next madonna or michael see, jackson right right um mm, mm. you know i i think like we were talking about earlier there's definitely an opportunity for people like for me or you let's say we let's say we we decide to reunite dionysus and we record and we put our stuff out there um, uh, just thinking about the millions of fans and how nuts they would go. <laughs> I mean, it's like that album hum that I was telling you about earlier, where it's like they just they didn't tell anybody, and after 25 years, they got back together again and dropped an album, and their album went, you know, it soared through the roof. But I feel like we could, or a, a band could um, establish, you know, there'd be an easier way for, for fans or people to find it out because getting your music on the radio or MTV, uh, back, you know, 25, 30 years ago was extremely hard. It was impossible. Yeah. So, um, but I wanted to lastly, just talk about our experiences, writing music, the bands we covered and our experience specifically with learning to work with each other yeah um because we did i think we did have a period where we took it pretty seriously i know i did and then i think we got to a point where i know for me i was like okay i maybe need to dial it back a little bit because i want to make sure that we're still having fun but i was so focused on like perfection during every And, um, but then, but then it got to a point, Kyle, where we all started to contribute to the writing. And that was when I think it really got, you know, it really got good. And I, and I think about a lot about those, those times and, um, you know, I, I don't have any regrets, but I definitely, um, reminisce and i look at those as really good really good times from like learning from other people and fighting you know and and just um kind of getting through all that stuff i think that and i started revisiting all of that as i got into more of like leadership training because you start thinking about your experiences and i found more often than not i was thinking about non-work experiences that shaped me and I, I just I kept coming back to the the band and every piece of that which was you know we just showing up having no idea nobody knew what we were what was going on and that but we were in it together and and, and we stuck with it and I think that there was some um, there was some levels of commitment that 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 helped but yeah like how do you solve challenges when you've got 
four, five, six, 14, 15 year olds with very loud amplifiers and drums who are mad at one another. Like, and you know, you just, you you know, drummers hitting his drums and he's pissed off. Everyone's yelling over, over amplifiers, but, but you get through it and you muddle through it. And, and I, I, I just feel like I learned so much from those sessions, you know, everything that we've talked about earlier. Uh, so I have, I have very positive memories of that. Like, how do you organize? How do you bring a song in? And then like, and yeah, when people just come in and, and they hear it and they, they're hearing something totally different. Yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes that's a good thing. And sometimes it's frustrating as hell because it's yeah. not what's what you're trying to get to. Yeah. Um, patience, right? Like the, the, all of these, uh, all yeah. of these skills that don't come up as a normal trait for like a 15 year old. Um, and, and one of the things that I know definitely about not. here, you know, place like here, and I, I've made this joke about startups, right? Startups are like uh, Microsoft, uh, HP, IBM, you know, they, they started in like garages, right? Right. Uh, I think Facebook was in a garage. The, the problem here in a lot of parts of the world and same with bands, there's no garages here. Like there's literally no garages here. So it's actually really hard to, to do that in parts of the world where there's just not the same amount of space. Right. Uh, there are places to jam here, but you've got to pay for it. So like, could you, right. I don't know if, I don't know. I don't think that would have been too, too, too cool for us to have um, had to rent, you know, I don't know if we space. would have had the money. I mean, no, I, I, I was, not. I was working. I mean, yeah. I was yeah. working at like Boston chicken. Yeah. Um, yeah. My yeah, first guitar was $15 an hour. So, yeah, I paid 15 bucks for my guitar. And I believe, I, I think uh, one of the guys who I bought it from, or sorry, no, I think I took it to a store once and the guy was like, you paid $15 for this? <laughs> yeah, he goes, yeah, you got ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, you know, we really hit a groove at one point. I think after we were together for a year where we did get kind of serious and there were moments where we were sort of, you know, I, I have memories of like, you know, getting pissed off when somebody was late. Um, I don't know if you remember yeah. that. Um, and it was kind of the three, you guys were like, Hey man, it's cool. Don't worry about it. You know, like mm. we're still going to have a lot of fun. You know, Brett's mom doesn't, doesn't really care. And right. we're, right. we will jam until I think we would usually jam until 10 or 10 30. And, yeah. but we really got into a groove and, and I think yeah. We got to a point, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure we were horrible at the beginning and I'm pretty confident of that, but I think we got to a point where we got into kind of a groove and we were, you know, writing some good stuff. Mike was writing some good stuff. You were writing yep. some good stuff. Well, it was also, and also After. musical tastes went in different directions too. So that was also yeah. part of, that's every band story, right? So, right. Uh, you know, right. I started going down the blues route and some yeah, other people were going right. uh, into more metal or something. I don't metal. Really remember now, yeah. right? Yeah, but, Mike um, was definitely into like metal. Yeah. That was and that's yeah. what he wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And then I think about some of the songs that we, we covered and some of them, like the, some of the most fun ones, obviously alive. That was one that we, I think we did a pretty good job, um, covering fade to black just here. And you know what? I, I I'm not even writing these down. Like these are all just from memory yeah. wood from Alice in Chains. Little Miss Can't Be Wrong, Spin Doctors. <laughs> I seem um, to remember that one sucking. That, that one didn't go very well. But maybe it was because maybe it was the maybe because the song sucked. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Yes. Yes. I I too went through a spin doctors phase in the early early oh, it was 90s. funny we we um we went to a spin doctors concert and uh fish opened for them i don't i think i don't think you were there for me. i wasn't they, there uh, but i remember they, this they played place. at the old yeah. garden uh the old boston garden and we were going for spin doctors and it was like no this band fish is opening and obviously it was just like uh yeah i think we got the order wrong um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, I remember we did Purple Haze. We did Hey yep. Joe. We did Comfortably Numb. Now, I don't think we took a lot of these songs live, but I do remember playing live Hear My Train A Coming, uh, a Hendrix song. We also dabbled with Who Knows off of Band of Gypsies, yeah, Band of which Gypsies, is one of right. my favorite albums yes. of all time. Um, oh, yes. I did attempt to do a review on that which is on on my website as well if people who've never heard band of gypsies before are aware of Jimi hendrix yeah. they should go check it out but yes um and then lastly not to scare you but and i don't have it with me but i'll show it to you next time i still have 
the dollar bill that Brett's sister Kelly gave us <laughs> as payment <laughs> for our first gig. That was a good gig. in September. <laughs> we we got to a point where we had to do our set over again. I don't know if you remember that. We played it basically because, twice. Yeah, we because ran we out were of done. Stuff. We were yeah. we ran out of songs and we, we had to play, we had to play the set basically all over again. So yeah, that's fun. I um, do remember that. Yeah. What, yeah so. One thing I wanted to mention was um, you're, you wrote, you, I, I thought you were the, the best songwriter. You, you definitely came in with the stuff that, that, that was most legit. I think uh, you kind of had it figured out. There was one song. Um, do you remember any of the names of the things that you were doing? I do. I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I do. Emerge, emerge emerge so let me tell you so so i i there here's a here's a here's a side question i'll bring it back to the to the theme in a minute but um side question and somebody asked me this a couple of years ago uh what's the song that just goes on in your head like if you're walking like do you have a like is there a fallback tune that you that that is like in you and it was kind of a cool question yeah and obviously yeah i, I don't know how, how would you answer that one mm. um i the fallback, um, man, that's a good, I think you kind of caught kind me of a, on the spot. Um, it's yeah. a great question. Um, yeah. I, uh, I remember a friend of mine in college saying that she wanted to write the soundtrack for my life. And rather than kind of run the other way, I was like, I get what you, what you mean. Like she goes, if there was a movie of your life, right. what right. would be in the soundtrack? Right. And so right. I had to think about that long and hard. Um, yeah. I think I'm a victim of, you know, whatever I heard yeah, exactly. recently. Yeah, yeah. And yes. that's sort of yeah. what I, what yeah. I hum. Is there a one song or one tune that's in my head all the time? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Yeah, one I think better. it's an interesting one. Cause I don't have an answer. I, and I think it varies. It's it's mood driven, but, um, but I think that, you know, is it like, a heavier tune is it a is it like a funk thing is it blue so it's kind of these are some interesting questions to think about but but yeah. i will tell you uh that tune that you wrote emerge um has been in my head for a long time and it came to me a while and i i, I think I, I don't know if i sent you a note out of the blue years ago but i was like that's a reggae tune and if we were to and if i if we could and maybe maybe we should still figure out how to do this i want to convert that into a slow reggae tune and i just I, it's in my head i hear it i can it hear it in my really head too. cool i can hear it in um, my head too yeah and i i want to do i want to figure out how to do that because so it, it is it does it does have a a rhythm to it that you can easily slow down and it still makes slow, slow sense. way down yeah and uh, you you put a bob marley kind of voice yeah. to it just chill just kind of you know moving around the beat you know kind of singing around the, yeah. the notes uh, i i think there's something there so anyway uh that, a, that's a side project yeah hey I, i'm i'm game i haven't uh <laughs> i haven't heard that song i do remember i think we figured out years later that i spelt it wrong um, <laughs> because like i think a spinal tap thing <laughs> i think it was i think i spelled it emerge e, yeah that's I, I, um, how i see it in my head <laughs> and isn't it you know what? supposed to that's be how... emerge uh, well, no, it is maybe I did it the other way. I spelt it a merge when it should be emerge. This is the thing you find, you make your mistake and you double down. So now it's, <laughs> now it's spelled that way forever. Well, I do want to, I do want to correct one of my mistakes earlier. Michael Jackson actually died in 2009, not oh. 2011 okay. for anyone yeah, okay. who is listening, who is like really specific about that or. So send your hate mail to. <laughs> cool. Well, I, um, I appreciate uh, you taking the time to talk to me and I want to do this again. And I think what we're going to do next is in the near future is we're going to talk about one of our favorite albums, which right now will remain nameless. We're going to have to leave, leave it to everyone's bewilderment. Um, I'm very happy to go back and do some deep dive research on this. Yes. Yeah, so, between. so your homework assignment will be to, to dive back deep Done. into the album track by Done. track and listen to the lyrics, listen to the music, and then Done. come up with, uh, you know, some, some feedback on what you think the group was thinking at the time, how it, but most importantly, how it affected you. Yeah. And if we actually can locate somebody on the planet who has not heard this album yet, then we should direct the podcast 
to them to say, here's why we think you should listen okay. to this. Wow. So. Gotta go. Okay. I'll go search. I'll go search. I'll take care of Asia. I'll go search Asia. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do North America and, uh, and, um, maybe, you go down. maybe South yeah. America as well. Yeah. Go down to Jamaica and you're in your research for, uh, as we convert this into While a, I'm converting uh, a merge, yeah, um, yeah. Into I a can, reggae uh, tune. yeah, I can talk to some people down there. So excellent. Awesome. Well, let me get out of here. I've got, uh, I got kids to get to school. Yes. Uh, and I have kids to put to bed, which is so That's funny how <laughs> your day is beginning and mine is ending. So, well, thanks a lot, man. Cool. Awesome. Look, it was great, All right, man. Hopefully there's something in there that's entertaining. I, I'm going to try and get you some more uh, followers over here because there's definitely some people who uh, are, awesome. are like-minded in this in this pursuit that you're up, 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 up against. Awesome. Cool. All right, man. Thanks. Well, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the albumreview.net podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, if you want to pick up a copy of Kyle's book, The Accidental Business Nomad, A Survival Guide for Working Across a Shrinking Planet, you can find a copy of Kyle's book at my website, albumreview.net, or you can go directly to Amazon. And also remember, if you want to listen to this podcast in other places, you can find them always on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Player FM, Deezer, Podomatic.com, and albumreview.net. Well, thank you very much. Have a great day. Take a trip down by the highway. Take a trip down by the highway. Take a trip down by the highway. Take a trip down by the highway.